Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee Podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next. This free online business assessment tool enables you to pinpoint your business's vital need. Keep listening for top business tips and advice to help you level up and scale up. Here's your host, Simon Meadows. And welcome to today's podcast episode in which I'm joined by Andy Fry, who founded Qantas Consulting Corporation in May of 2008. And Andy lives in Scottsdale, Arizona with his wife and two children. And we were just talking before the recording started. I asked him, I I didn't quite read the the introduction and realised he was in Arizona. So I said, what kind of weather have you had today, Andy? And you replied back, you know, fairly dry because we've had some rain here and it, i didn't connect that obviously you're in arizona and that's very dry so uh, uh, glad to know that uh, but Qantas consulting corporation is a consulting organization focused on oracle tools and applications which he continues to still use and operate his career and life experiences listeners prompted him to recognize that some individuals separate themselves from others by identifying and executing patterns which result in high levels of achievement. And he's been inspired to find models and processes that provide repeatable, I think that's really important, I want to know more about this in the podcast, repeatable success by analysing the interactions of others as well as using his own experiences. Andy searches for methods to nurture relationships and to enhance thought processes and behaviour which helps others improve their careers. And he shares this content not just on this podcast, but also his findings through the consultingplaybook.com, which is a site he founded to provide tools and information to help others improve their careers. It's always good to have an author, listeners, and Andy is an author and the author of The Trust Paradigm and The Consultant's Code and speaks to companies on trust. Welcome to today's podcast to wet and fairly windy UK from dry and sunny Arizona, which is where you're based. Welcome to today's podcast. Thanks for having me, Simon. I appreciate that. Yeah, I wish we could uh, trade a little bit of the dryness we'll we'll trade you some of the dryness and heat and you guys can have we, we can have some of the rain because we, we we definitely need some rain in, in the western u.s yeah. so. and, and we've we've been the same here in certainly in england you know i've i've had a vacation in scotland where it was very wet and very green and very lush yet here in england we've we've had a very dry drought summer it's been declared a drought in many many parts of uh, england and we're not used to seeing brown grass and, you know, dusty verges at the side of the roads. And you know, our only hope is that when the rain comes, it comes back, you know, quite quickly, uh, because we're not used to coping with those kind of climates. And I suppose it's something you're more used to seeing and to coping with. But it sounds like you've had a pretty dry spell as well. Yes. Yeah. We've and we've had in in Arizona. We've. We've had some, we call them monsoons where we get some really torrential rains. That's one thing that's, you know, I didn't grow up in Arizona, so it's interesting because yep. for me, um, you know, I, I found that when it would rain, I kind of just thought hey, it's dry all the time. But when it does rain, it's torrential. It's, it really, it'll come pouring out of, out of the desert. It'll just be really heavy rain. So 
we welcome the rains because it really does kind of fill up those, you know, and there's a lot of vegetation in the desert and stuff yeah. like that. But when you start to get to, especially the Western US, like California, they definitely need some rain. And so we're, we're, we're generally used to that, those long spells of dryness, but, uh, but at the same time, yeah, the, always the rain is, is always a good, it just, you want that, you want that regular balance, right? Balance, and so, yeah. It, yeah. Kind and of like and life, right? You want, yeah. you want a balance in life, right? Yeah, and, and nature has a way of finding that balancing. Okay, sometimes we see catastrophic effects like we have in Pakistan with the floods, etc. But very often it's it's nature's way of either one alarming us of what's going off, which obviously, you know, whether you agree with it or not, is is certainly an alarm either way. But it's a way of balancing out, isn't it, as well? And you know, I'm I'm a great believer that nature will find its own balance. We are, we're not a big enough impact uh, on the whole planet to make a difference long term. Um, yeah, we've made a fairly short term impact, but uh, yeah, we'll get on a whole hobby horse differently about that. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 So let's get back to the main focus: coffee, coffee and business. Yeah. That's give right. us a, give us an idea of the the coffee that you're drinking today and and why and tell us a little bit how you take your coffee as well. Yeah, so I take my coffee just with with cream. I don't take any any sweetener in it at all. So I take okay. uh, and I have a I, I drink a it's a star it's a it's a whole bean that I grind at home. So I've got a coffee maker with a grinder, and I buy the whole bean from Costco. I'm not sure if you've got Costco in, in we have UK. Yeah, yeah. we do. Okay, yeah. Everybody loves, you know, 10 pound bags of oatmeal and, and stuff <laughs> like right. that. So, <laughs> you know, but they, but Costco has these, at least in the U.S., they've got, I think it's a two pound bag of, of coffee beans. It's it's made by Starbucks. So it's it's the I think it's the Pike uh, uh, roast. Yeah. So they call it a meat. It's just a medium roast in in uh, Costco. But so I use that and I grind it. I've 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 tried other types of blends and other types of roasts. But always come back to that one. It's kind of for me the most consistent, and it's the one that yeah. I enjoy the most. And it's interesting because you know, out of all the guests that I've had, and we're going to be what 190 something episode of, of this as we record it, I've not had anybody else drinking the same roast that I am. And I'm drinking Pike Roast Starbucks. Mine's in a pod, so I've not ground my own beans, but it's the same roast. And the reason I drink it, uh, Andy and listeners, is it, when I go into our local Starbucks. I usually have a filter coffee. And you know, I've mentioned this before. Many people don't understand the value of Starbucks and filter coffee. Forget the expensive coffees. Go into Starbucks, get a good value, big mug of filter coffee. It's good value, good taste. And usually in our Starbucks, the filter is Pike's roast. Yeah. So, uh, yes. yeah. so we're actually drinking the same one, which is amazing. So yeah. I'm really pleased That's about right. that. Yes, it's, yeah. Is, is that your favorite coffee or is there something that if you're going somewhere special or you're having a bit of a treat that you would have different? That's probably my favorite coffee. That's what I would order at Starbucks as well. But, you know, I really do like lattes and it's what okay. probably what one of the best coffees I've ever had. I did a lot of work in Calgary, Alberta over the years. I wow. grew up in Canada, so I had a lot of clients there. But there was a coffee shop there that had what's called a they call it a Spanish latte. Now, what I. I did a little bit of research on it. I think a Spanish latte actually has Kahlua or something like that in it. But, the, but these guys called it a, a Spanish latte, but it had, uh, it had um, sweetened condensed milk in it. Yeah. And I'm not really one for a really sweet drink, but that was really, it was just, you know, it was just really made with a lot of care and it was just perfect. Like I couldn't have had, I couldn't have drank three or four of them in a day. I would have been just vibrating off the wall. But that drink was one that, 
you know, if I could have it again, that's one that I would yeah. probably go back to. And it's just a simple drink, but you know, I've tried to make it at home, you know, with some sweetened condensed yeah. milk, but it never it's tastes the same. same. It always, yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting you said Calgary because Calgary is probably one of my favorite cities in the world. And we, we actually, some years ago, planned to move to, to Calgary or just outside Calgary uh, to live full time because I've, I've always had businesses in Canada. So, you know, and I love going to Banff at Christmas. We did 15 Christmases in, in the Rockies and we always used to fly into Calgary. I've never done the Calgary Stampede and it's one of my bucket list items to do that. Yeah. And I'm a big yeah. Calgary Flames fan, you know, uh, nice. Flames are my team. And I, I just want to share one quick story because it's just reminded me when you said the coffee shop. We went to see the Flames and before that we'd been on a shopping trip around one of the malls with a trip from Banff. And there was about a two hour gap between one, um, what would you call it, tour operator dropping us off and the other tour operator picking us up and taking us to the Saddle Dome to watch the ice hockey and the first tour operator said, well, we, we can't drop you at the Saddle Dome because it's, it's closed and you'll freeze to death outside. It was, you know, minus, you know, 20 odd degrees. So uh, they took us into Calgary and we'd never been into Calgary as a city before. And they dropped us in this downtown area and we ran straight into this bar because it looked so dodgy, the area that they dropped us in. And as we walked into this bar, there was also a shock because it was quite a dodgy bar. It was full of um, biker guys, and all the furniture was cow skin, white, and and they were all drinking cocktails in this bar. Uh, so I'm conjuring a picture there. You can make your own judgments of what kind of bar it was, but they dropped it in this bar. But I tell you, we had the best two hours, and the guys were so helpful, and the tour operator asked us to make our own way to the saddle dome and these guys gave us a lift to the saddle dome from this bar they were absolutely incredible and that changed our perception and after that we went into calgary every single year and we'd shop and we'd drink and we'd eat an amazing amazing such a friendly city yeah really really impressive yeah. and we need to go and do the stampede stampede one year definitely yeah i know that bar actually my I, my mom used to drink there no, I'm joking. But, uh, <laughs> I'm joking. But yeah, the that's one thing. People there are, are very friendly. It's a great city. It's yeah, it's one that's uh, and the Calgary Stampede is a, is a must have. So I'm happy you had a good experience there because yeah, you know it's always one of those things where it's nice when with the cities that are uh, you know are, are great cities that people have good experiences. It's always it's always heartbreaking when you, when somebody walks away and they have a bad experience because you can't almost recover from that. And no. you know I'm happy you had that good experience. And the, yeah. the weather is one that. Sometimes, you know, it's a given, right? It's going to be cold in the winter. Yeah, yeah. So I'm happy that they, they yeah, and they're happy those guys took care of you because, uh, yeah. yeah. And and yeah. the Flames did pretty well this last season as well. You know, they, they yeah. did good progress in the Stanley Cup as well. So, uh, yeah, that was a, another bonus if the Flames do well. Yes. So you've, you've got this um, business, Qantas Consulting, uh, and, you know, you've been around for a long while, 2008. So congratulations. You know, I started my coaching business in 2009 so we're about a similar age in business and you know there's been some interesting changes happened since we both set up in business what's been the latest or most significant thing that you've seen shift and change in your own business yeah for me i think one of the big things is the uh is the connections i think that you know i've i've been 
in consulting, I started in consulting in, in 1998, uh, working for uh, Oracle, and then I w went and worked for a smaller firm. And a lot of the networking at that time was face to face, or it was, you know, you, you, you met a lot of people and, or you went to conferences and those sorts of things. Now I find that the, the networking has changed where it's a lot of, a lot on LinkedIn. And I think the pandemic kind of pushed that really forward. Yeah. But I do think that that happened before even, uh, because I think it was, it was more and more difficult, especially as people started to grow their business. So for me, I know the networking around my business was really, uh, you know, I do a lot of stuff on, on LinkedIn. And I think that's a, that's a big thing. And I, I think that the, the business itself, you know, I always find that one, one big thing with business is it's, it's people and it's just, it's just people. I think we sometimes overcomplicate business into something that's, that's bigger than really what it is. And I thought that people isn't, isn't big enough, isn't yeah. a big undertaking, but I think we sometimes overcomplicate the piece, you know, what business is, but it's really people and it's people trying to accomplish something. It's people trying to, you know, trying to coordinate a group of people or trying to meet individuals problems or, or their needs. And I find that, that, you know, trying, you know, with LinkedIn, I think for me at least has done, um, and what I've tried to use a lot of it, uh, is, is try to build that networking and that engagement, uh, yeah. with it. So I think that's, that's a big thing. I think that's really changed from when at least I started in consulting way back. Yeah. And I, and I think you, you're right. And you know, I've seen massive changes in LinkedIn recently. And I think there are big things happening with LinkedIn and uh, you know how it's going to benefit people like you and I. When I first joined LinkedIn, it was very much somewhere where you put your CV and it was about getting a position and about getting a role uh, or employment. And certainly somebody earlier on in this podcast series said a really great example that LinkedIn is like a huge, huge room full of people and if you walked into a room of people how would you treat them how would you go up to them and talk to them because LinkedIn is just that networking room full of people that you can go across and talk to and don't talk to them in a sales you know if you're that kind of person you walk up to somebody in a room and sell to them that's not going to work for you particularly well and it wouldn't work on LinkedIn and it wouldn't work in that room so I think you're absolutely right we've got to use it as that networking format definitely yeah. I, I want to ask you one question about what I, I read in the introduction. Uh, you write here that your career and life experiences have prompted you to recognize that some individuals separate themselves from others by patterns, etc. What was it in your career or your life? Any particular example or story that you want to share with the listeners which prompted that recognition? Yeah. When I was in school, when I was probably at the 10th grade, I was not a very good student in school. And, and I share this story, this a lot because I want people who especially aren't, aren't very good students who, who struggle to understand that, that, especially if they're younger or even if they're older folks to understand, look, what, you know, what you, what we were labeled at or what we thought we were, let's say in school, isn't what we are as adults. And we often learn how to learn. But what I found when I was in the 10th grade and I was taking a class, and what, what happened was I would get very poor grades. And a friend of mine just, he, he told me, he told me how to take the test. He said, just, just pepper the test with, with this one word, because that's what the teacher talks about all week. And he mm -hmm. said, so what, you know, and so that's what I did in the, in the, in the test, I just repeated this one word that the teacher just constantly, and my, my grade went up. And there was something that I realized mm -hmm. there was that there was a, there was a, there was something going on that I didn't know. And, that, and that there was something going on that others did know. So there was, there was a pattern of learning 
And there was a pattern of execution that was that some, at that point, some students figured out and other students didn't. And, and, and now the thing that hit me even harder was that I didn't know what the pattern was. I still did not have a repeatable pattern that I could then say, oh, I, I get it now. I understand, I understand the rules of the game and I can go carry this forward. It took me many years to start to watch. And what I really did was I, I started to watch what do, what do successful people do? And it seems like a really simple, uh, a really simple concept. Uh, and it is in some ways, but we have to know what people we want to follow and what parts of them do we want to emulate and and then really re read everything. And I think that's the, one of the challenges is looking at someone who's, let's say, really successful in business, but let's say lacks um, relationships. They, they're really yeah. poor with relationships. We may want to take some of those some of those tasks that that person has or some of the qualities that person does or some of the things they execute with their business, but don't perform the things with that yeah. on the personal life. I, and I use Steve Jobs as an example. A yeah. lot of people will say, they will say, what would, you know, they talk about Steve Jobs and I go, well, Steve Jobs from a career, from a, from a c commercial success, he was phenomenal. Relationships, he was poor. You know, he didn't have a very good relationship with his, with his daughter. He had, he struggled with relationships even with his employees. So that's not somebody you would probably want to emulate when it comes down to, you know, having yeah. strong relationships, but maybe commercial, commercially try to steal what you can from him and see if you can execute it. Yeah. And I, and I think you've, you've mentioned something really important there. One, I think we've all just got a bit of a masterclass of how to increase our grades in school by repeating <laughs> the one word. So I think that's a great tip just in itself. <laughs> um, but it, sometimes we, we do model and we model too much. And I think we do have to, you know, pick and mix the the pieces, and we don't have to. I don't want to use the word Frankenstein because it, it has this monster connotation. But we do have to put different elements together that don't make us a monster, but actually make us the best that we can possibly be by modeling those behaviors. And you're absolutely right. And we see it in film stars and celebrities. They have some amazing characteristics, which you know we'd all love to model. But then there are diva personalities and other things that you think yeah yeah i just wouldn't want to be that kind of person so yeah right important. yeah absolutely and i think one of the big words is authentic right and so people yeah. will say they, they that authenticity is really important and, and authenticity is, is critical in fact uh i talked about that in trust is 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 authentic authenticity is a is a critical part of trust the one of the challenges with authenticity is that authenticity isn't just being who we want to be or being who we who we who we are, uh, it is what who do we need to be in the role that we're playing? And I, I use the example of a parent. You know, a parent uh, has a particular role. They have to raise their children, and and that parent is a parent the rest of their life. Even with adult children, they're they're still a parent. Now that that role changes, and that authentic, you know, seventy year old who is a who is a parent of a forty five year old is different than when they were raising a five-year-old or a seven-year-old, that, mm. that their, their expectations are different, the roles are different, right? A, 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 we, we expect a UFC fighter to behave a certain way yeah. it, when they're in the ring. We don't expect that UFC fighter to do that on the street or to do that in their home. And I think that when people think about authenticity, authenticity is really about what role are we playing and what characteristics do we need to perform to be really good at that, at that point in time. and yeah. 
And sometimes it's really difficult because sometimes we're playing roles we've never played before, or we may not have had really good models to emulate. So that's where we have to search out and say, what do I have to do? And, uh, and who has been successful in this? Uh, and I think when we do that and really understanding what role we're playing is really critical. And if we think about that with teams, that's a big part. What, what, what position are you playing? What role are you playing? Really important to identify that. Yeah. And I love the way you've, you've put that and you're right because, you know, being authentic is something during the, you know, the recent couple of years of the pandemic, I think authenticity and pivoting have probably been the most two, overused two words in the last two years. But it, it is, they are both critically important, but being authentic, and I never really thought about it, and I'm sure listeners, you haven't too, that we feel that we have got to have that same level of authenticity all the time. Well, actually, I think you've given us a really, really, I've written down here on my little note here, you know, an authenticity masterclass, because it's about being authentic to the role at that time, isn't it? I think that phrase you gave us there, because when you're the parent, you've got to be authentic as the parent. But what about when you're with your spouse and your partner? Would you behave the same as you've just done to your five-year-old child? You, know, you talk to your wife or your husband as you've talked to that five-year-old child. Yeah, it's not going to end that well, is it? But you know, does no. that mean you're less authentic? No, it just means that you're authentic in a different moment, doesn't it? A different time. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And those roles require us to be that. Like that... At that point in time, the role requires that. And when we get into really like, you know, every day where we're going to the store or where, where again, we're, we're having a coffee, is it might, we might be able to be pretty, it might be pretty, uh, uh, you know, there's not a big change between who we are, but we're going to experience times in our life where, where, where we have to take charge or we might be in a situation where, you know, Unfortunately, it may be a violent situation or a situation where it calls for somebody to really step up and, and, and be take the lead. They might have to push out of themselves, and that's just something that they need to do. And at that point, yeah, that role requires it, and you're right. You know, and we see it with guys, right? Like, yeah. when us guys get together, we, we, we revert back to, like, juvenile behavior and we think it's <laughs> we funny those guys right <laughs> we horse around but and, and 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 you know but when we're with like you said we're with our spouse or we're with at work you know we yeah. don't expect that type of behavior we want to be more yeah. more mature yeah. and but yeah. but both are authentic you know yes. one one is not and that's that yeah that that for me is a, is a great so thank you for sharing that and because that's that's a big big thing for me so you you said you've got your your findings through the consultingplaybook.com what kind of clients do you work with then at Qantas consulting you know, who who is it that you help and who is it that you you know work with yeah so i have kind of two branches of so with with Qantas consulting i i work a lot with oracle companies so a lot of a lot of companies implementing oracle applications okay and uh and so it's more uh, like ERP type of implementation, software implementations. And, and what, what I found as I was going through and as I was executing my career, that's where I started to, to realize that what I thought really strong consultants were supposed to be, uh, that wasn't really it. And, and, and what I found was, and that's where I wrote the, 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 the consultants code. Yeah. Because I started to see the consultants that were really strong had certain characteristics but they weren't overwhelming. It wasn't the person who came in with a flashy suit, or maybe they had they went to the the, the best college or university. They yeah. they brought in certain skills that the client really liked. That's what I wrote the book around, and that's where I started to look and say, 
you know, when we're trying to build out a team, we, we don't really need to look for what, what traditionally we've been told yeah. uh, is that. And that's where I started to really start to look and say, uh, and, I, and I was really fortunate while I was in consulting is that I, was, I had a lot of mentors. A lot of people took me under their wing because I really didn't know much about consulting when I got into it. Yeah. And, and I was really fortunate. And so that's really where I started to go with the consulting playbook and try to, to give back and do more mentoring yeah. with other consultants and other people who and share that information that I was learning. Because I, I know in, in my experience, and there's a couple of people I work with who you know have been consultants and, and help consultants as well. And one of the difficulties I find is that there are really three sets of people who become consultants. Yeah, there's the people that have a job. Yeah, they're perhaps middle management, and they just dream as I did. You know, that was that was me. Um, you know, some thirty odd years ago, and I was fed up of working for somebody else, and thought I've got to do something on my own. But my my business wasn't consultancy. You know, I set up a construction company because that was my background. So there are middle managers who perhaps escape and think, I can do something better, I can be a consultant. There are also those consultants that perhaps are working under a larger organisation as a subcontractor to a larger consultant. But then you've also got those C-suite guys who perhaps are exiting that don't want to let go of their knowledge and don't want to feel that they've got nothing to pass on. It sounds as though you've perhaps been in all three of those positions and yeah, obviously now it's quite a privilege isn't it to be able to pass that knowledge on what would you say to any of those types of people that are listening to this podcast about becoming a consultant and stepping out yeah i would say start to become a consultant now and i and I, and when i say that it's it's look like you're look and and think throughout the day of the opportunities that you're presented where you can do some consulting and this is where I think the skills start to, to build. I think one of the things when people go into consulting, and I was the same way, I, thought, I felt I had to have the answer and I had to tell people what to do. Yep. And so it took me a long time to realize, you know, a lot of it is, is guidance. A lot of it is suggestions. A lot of it is what I see and, and sharing that information. And I think that the, the sooner someone can kind of get through those, those early hurdles around consulting, and, I, and, and, you, and they can do that as an employee of a company. Yeah. you know, read on a topic and then see what you can add. Uh, I, I would recommend too, especially for consultants who are working for organizations, if they ever think about going on their own or doing something slightly different, is to look at it like you're you're running your own shop now. And that changed the way I viewed things. I actually, I know I provided a better service to my clients when, when I was an employee of a consult, consulting company. And uh, I looked at it like it was my own. And I started to provide better service calm down, not freak out too much about, about things that I shouldn't be worried about yet. Yeah. Look at things that I know was going to cause problems and, and, and build those relationships in there. So that's what I would suggest is, is start acting like you're, you're a consultant now and start building okay. those skills. Cause the only way you can do it is by executing it. Yeah. And I asked that question cause I know the audience here today, you know, that we've had a lot of guests that have been consultants and coaches. And I know a lot of the listeners are service providers and coaches and consultants as well, or perhaps on the edge of taking that step. So that's, that's a, that's a great, great tip. So if LinkedIn has been, you know, the shift for you, what kind of differences has that made to your business? What have you seen in real terms, the difference that that's, that's made? a lot more engagement from, from other, other parties. So a lot more people reaching out to me. 
Um, yeah. And one thing I try to do is I, I, I kind of have an objective that I try to help anybody who asks. And even if I can't help, I'll, I'll try to, to, to direct them to somebody that I know. Now, yeah. I, I agree with you, uh, Simon, when, when, you know, sometimes when, when somebody reaches out and they go, hey, you know, do you have a job or, you know, okay, yeah. let's, let's, let's start to talk a little bit first. Let's start to see what's going on. And, uh, but let's start to build kind of a relationship. But I found that uh, I, I, building those relationships and um, having that dialogue and some relationships are ones where, I mean, we know why everybody's there. Everybody's there because their business, yeah. but people don't want to feel like, oh, it's, it's all quid pro quo, right? You, you know, you do something for me, Simon, uh, and you do something, I'll do something for you. We, we, we really want to be able to build that relationship because sometimes things don't always work out right away. And I think that when we often, we look at things and we say, I want, right? I, I want yeah. more money or I want a new job or I want a new client, whatever it is, but what are we willing to do for it? And I think not everything is reciprocal. So sometimes helping one person out, that person may not help you out directly, but someone else is. And I do yeah. think that that building those connections, I think what it does is it, it sets the universe up to say, hey, this person's willing to help. Let's give them more opportunities to help. Let's give them more opportunities to build themselves. Yeah. And, I, and I really do believe that. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, that's so, so, so important. So if people want to find out more about you or you want to direct them to anything, you know, I've mentioned you're the author of The Trust Paradigm and The Consultant's Code. Um, where would I want to go if I was a listener to connect with you or perhaps get my hands on some value that you have? Yeah. So they can go to uh, uh, the Consulting Playbook uh, is one of the websites that I have that information. If they want to reach out to me and I welcome people to at andyfry.com fry spelled f-r-y so andy at a-n-d-y fry.com uh it just you know send me an email and we can we can chat talk and and um you know i'm kind of still old school in that regard but uh or you can reach out to me on linkedin uh you know andy fry um i think it's uh at the andy fry i think i can't remember but you'll find yeah. me on on yeah. linkedin fantastic so yeah. the the website is the consulting playbook.com Yes. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. And of course, the other ways that you've mentioned there as as well. Um, if we want to get our hands on a copy of the book, are they on the website as as well, or is it, you know are they available on Audible, Amazon? Yes, the books are available on Amazon. So, yeah. um, and they're sold yeah all over the world. So yeah, any Great. of the listeners in any of the, any of the countries can uh, yeah. access it. And yeah, the the trust paradigm and uh, the consultants code. Uh, both are on Amazon. Perfect, perfect. So you've given us, as, as all the guests do, you know, so many insights already. But if we were to walk away from this podcast with a lesson or tip that we can do something with, Andy, what would that be that you'd like to share today? I think giving back. I, I think giving giving to somebody else, I think, is critical. I think, I, I, I know for me, mentoring, being mentored was such a big help for me and it's been something that's been a help for me mentoring other people and mentoring is kind of a loose term it could just be help it could just be advice it could be just guidance i would suggest to anybody if somebody asks for help today do what you can to help them even if you don't have the answer direct them to somebody who can and i you, you the world will change i i am 100 believe that when you help 
somebody, your your world just changes for the better. I yeah. really believe that. Uh, and I'll share a quick story because I think that is such an important lesson for us to take away. Uh, and hopefully I can show that I implemented this just a few weeks ago. So we went to Scotland in a in a caravan and we have a, a an awning, fabric awning that goes on the side of it. And it was really windy. And myself and my wife couldn't put this thing up. It was so windy, we couldn't hold it down. And there was another van that was on the site uh, and we were right at the edge of the Loch Lomond. And this guy sat inside his caravan watching my wife and I struggle. Now, I didn't see him until Angela, my wife, mentioned afterwards because we abandoned it and we gave up. And she says, yeah, and that guy over there never offered to help. Mm -hmm. Okay. Two or three days later, we pulled back onto the same site and a couple of pictures down, there's a, a guy, he's probably in his late 70s. He's got his wife, his wife's on a crutch and they're struggling just like we were. And I walked in uh, to the site and I walked up to them and I said, I'm going to ask them if they want any help. My wife said, why? The other guy didn't ask you if you wanted any help. He didn't offer any help and he saw the struggle. I said, no, I'm going to go across and ask them if they need any help. And I did. And sure enough, the guy said, look, I'm OK. I know how this goes together. I'll, I'll be fine. And I said, well, I'm over there. If you need me, come across. 20 minutes later, his wife came across and said, yeah, Graham could do with some help, please. Yeah. And I went across, and we've got two really good friends now. They invited us around. We've had a bottle of wine with them afterwards. Yeah, it made our vacation so much better by having helped them and having them now as as friends and people we're probably going to send Christmas cards to and the usual thing you do when you meet people like that. Yeah, it 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 rewards you one in the moment of the feeling it gives, doesn't it? But you never know where that's going to go. Do you? you never know? if it's going to be direct or indirect, but why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you offer that that help? Right. I love it. That, man, man, that made, me, made my heart uh, feel yeah. good there. So I like it. Yeah. So um, final question then, Andy. Um, if you were to have your next Pike's Roast Coffee, uh, reading one of your favorite books, and it can be business or fictional, uh, or it could be an autobiography where would that be that you would be reading that book and what book would it be oh wow that's a great um that's a great question i probably right now because it's so hot here i probably mm. would pick somewhere um you know we've got high elevation in arizona where it's more mountains yeah. i probably would go there my my aunt and uncle live about 90 miles away where the temperature is quite a bit different so in a town called payson arizona or you know what? I'd go probably visit my parents. They're they're in yep. Canada. It's probably cooler there, and visit my parents, and uh, that's probably where I would read it. And the the next book, I would say, you know, one book I haven't read in a very long time is the book Think and Grow Rich, and I and I've read it oh. probably fifteen times, Napoleon Hill, and that was a that was that book was a, a again a game changer for me when I read it in my early twenties. I probably would go back to that book. It's kind of just the the baseline book that always sets me straight and I probably would go back to that book. It's, uh, yeah. it's kind of my go-to that, that really always, always sets me straight. Yeah, it's a bit like uh, Dickens and books like that, isn't it? In fiction. It's one of those classics. Yeah. Yes. Think and grow rich. Yeah. Great. Yes. Well, so we know where to go to find out more about you. You know, we, we know to go to the consultingplaybook.com. 
we know you've got two books, the Trust Paradigm and the Consultants Code, and there the links to those, uh, etc., are going to be in the show notes uh, as well. So thank you for sharing that. And we know Andy Fry, F-R-Y, is, is how we can find you on LinkedIn as well. Um, any final nugget or element of wisdom that you'd like to share with the listeners before we wrap this up? Uh, I, you know, I think just, you know, people keep working, working hard. You know, I think, I think progress is, it takes time and it's mm -hmm. something that either there's periods where we get discouraged and life kind of kicks in. And I think that just keep moving towards your goals. I think that's it. And, and I think, you know, just understand that it, things take time and, and things will, will improve. You just keep moving forward and, and not really being focused on the results, really being focused on the, pro on the process yeah. to get there. I think that's, yeah, that's what I would. Yeah. yeah. And, and certainly from, from my point of view, I think listeners that element of being authentic in the moment is really, really a great takeaway for me. I hope you've learned something from that listeners. And the other thing is as well with the modeling, yeah, as Andy's just said there with the with the process and you know focusing on those goals, it's you know if you see something praiseworthy in others, model it, and if you see something that you don't like in others, don't copy it, amend it in yourself if you feel you need to amend it as well. So, use that modeling. I think that's a great masterclass on that. But you know the authenticity is really really important as well. So you've been a great guest, Andy. Thanks so much for taking part. Uh, it's been an absolute privilege. And thank you for giving up your time as well. I know it's uh, morning for you, so thank you for giving up the morning of your day as well. My pleasure, Simon. Thanks for having me. I really appreciated being your guest. And listeners, as always, I say this at the end of every podcast. It's now up to you. Do two things. Leave us a review. Tell us what you thought of this podcast. That would be great, whatever platform you're listening to it on. The other thing to do is go out and do something with that modelling with that authenticity, that all the tips that Andy shared with us today, go out and do something with that. And if you want more help of knowing what you should do after this podcast, go to the consultingplaybook.com, find Andy and connect with him and make sure that you take up some more of the advice and nuggets of wisdom that I know Andy will be giving both now and in the future as well. And I look forward to having you all on the next podcast. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, if you'd like any help and support with your business, do get in touch with Simon. And to discover what your business needs you to fix next, visit www.sterlingcoaching.fixthisnext.com. Please do subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And Simon would love you to rate and review the show too. Thank you.